0: In this episode of 2,000 Bucks, Jim Blair teaches us how to manage and grow our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual energies in order to perform at our very best over long periods of time. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2,000 Bucks. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Dr. Jim Blair is a world-renowned performance psychologist and co-founder of the Johnson & Johnson Human Performance Institute and the author of 16 books. Dr. Lair has worked with hundreds of world-class performers from the areas of sports, business, medicine, law enforcement, including Fortune 100 executives, FBI hostage rescue teams, and military special forces. He has trained Olympic gold medalists and Wimbledon champions in the areas of peak performance. Today we're talking about his outstanding book, the power of full engagement, why it's all about managing our energy and not time in order to perform at our very best. Jim, I'm really excited to have you on the show and talk about this really important topic. So welcome.
1: Thank you very much, Manny. It's exciting to be with you. Thank you. Uh, Let's start today
0: with the power of full engagement. And before we start with the power of full engagement, would you please tell us your story, your personal story and how it really led to this book?
1: Well, I was trained as a psychologist. I was trained in community mental health. And in the early part of my career, I was chief psychologist and executive director of a very large community mental health center system that served the whole central and southern part of Colorado. We covered a catchment area of 8,600 square miles and nine offices and a very big staff. That's what I was trained to do. And that's what I thought I would do for the rest of my life. And I became associated with an exercise physiologist who became a a legend in in track and field. His name was Dr. Joe Vigil. And we became good friends, and he kept asking me, as a psychologist, what could you tell my runners that would help them perform better in competition? And I just thought about it, and I go, I have no clue. None. I said I have always worked with sick people to get them well. I've never worked with really healthy people to make them extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And he said you ought to think about that because he said that's going to be a whole new pioneering effort and application in psychology. And I said what an interesting uh, you know assertion. So he kept asking me. So finally, I did a literature search for him, and I couldn't find much. And I started to get really intrigued with the application of psychology to human performance. And it kind of ignited something in me, almost became intoxicating and I resigned to a 23 member board of directors they doubled my salary thought it was a ploy for more money and uh, I said oh no I, I'm very sorry this is a dream I have I really have a vision so they thought I had duly lost my mind and given <laughs> up a really terrific job so I moved to Denver and set up a private practice specializing in performance problems of athletes and it was very tough I went and did a lot of research I went to Florida I went to many different places spent 6 years at the Nick Bollettieri Tennis Academy studying all the top players at that time. And then eventually uh, in 1992, I joined forces with a guy by the name of Dr. Jack Roppel who had his PhD in bioengineering, was head of the biomechanics lab at the University of Illinois. We decided to start a, a company specializing in human performance under pressure. And we uh, set the center up in Orlando, Florida. We felt that was the best, most centralized location. We uh, raised money from investors. We purchased a nine acre site in a place called Lake Nona. And we started building the company and it became quite successful. And 2008, Johnson & Johnson and all their executives became so intrigued with the company that they wanted us to join their company and they purchased the Human Performance Institute and now it is the Johnson & Johnson Human Performance Institute, and we specialize in high-stress venues, helping people to thrive in high-stress, mission-specific venues from military to sport to executives and training and in medicine. We have a big, big program in medicine. And uh, all of my books, I've written like 16 books, they all represent kind of where I was at the point in this evolutionary tale. And we're very science-based, and so... My goal was to make the information very palatable to people who are not scientists, but to try to still give real credence to the science behind it, so that if a scientist were to look at this who actually conducted the research, he'd say it was a rather accurate representation of the findings and an interpretation that I might have made in the book. So it's been an interesting journey. I still work for the company and helping Johnson & Johnson initiate a lot of new ideas and New Thinking, the Power of Full Engagement. We launched it um in two thousand and three. Yeah, let's just talk about the power of full engagement. That one you did with Tony Schwartz, right? Yes. Yes. And
0: that's when you were still working. The HPI was still HPI by itself. Johnson & Johnson took over in 2008. Right. Yeah. So what was the trigger for you to write The Power of Full
1: Engagement? Like, What was the genesis? Well, in my work, I began to realize, in all the work I've done with professional athletes and everything, that to began to realize that we had a very uh, bad metaphor, a bad model for looking at human performance. And we were fixated on time and we started to realize that time is not the substrate that makes our life work it's energy Mm -hmm. it's not the time you spend on something it's the energy you bring to the time that you have people are obsessed with time all this crazy restructuring of the time management philosophies and so forth that people have been dosed heavily in time management given the notion that which is the premise of, of most time management systems that if you really want to be successful, you got to decide your values, you got to decide what really matters to you. Then you got to very courageously start setting aside time and investing time in those things and people and causes you care about. And in so doing, by investing, you'll spawn order, you'll spawn growth and harmony. And that was pretty much an assumption that was unchallenged for years and years with all the smart people in the time management industry. we challenged it. For me, it just did not work. And I think that whole statement is wrong. It's not the time that you spend or invest in people. You can be 25 years in a marriage and have nothing by way of a return. It's the energy. If you follow your energy, what did you invest in in that marriage? Where did the energy go? We began to realize that we get back what we invest our energy in we actually spawn growth when we invest energy in something so if you want to grow your bicep you got to put extraordinary energy into that bicep by lifting weights if you want any dimension of your personality or ever anything to grow kindness or gratefulness or focus or intensity your values you're going to have to invest energy in them Mm -hmm. and so it's not time and that was the real thesis Mm -hmm. that opened the door of the book that it's we are basically reservoirs of potential energy and that the more energy we have and the more focused we deliver our energy consistent with our values time lights up it brings life to time Mm -hmm. and so we're trying to make the metaphor and the substrate around everything that we do as human beings is around our energy that's great and
0: Unfortunately, as you said, we are a society obsessed with productivity. We're obsessed with being efficient. We want to spend more time on the things that matter, which is really important. But at the same time, what you're saying is time is like a multiplier with the energy. If you have zero time, but a lot of energy, even then you don't get much done. But if you have a lot of time, but you bring really terrible negative or zero energy, you're not going to get anything done either. And the example I like to think of a lot about is the great businessmen of our times who have generated Billions of dollars in value compared to a farmer who's probably putting in the same amount of hours and time but is probably not going to get anywhere close to the value generated in his lifetime. So the difference is not necessarily the amount of hard work they put in but the intention and the energy they brought to the table. When they were doing what they were doing.
1: Yeah, even when you don't have a lot of time, let's say you don't have a lot of time with your son or your daughter, but uh, in the morning you just uh, write a little note to them that really tells them how much you care about them. So maybe it takes two minutes, but the investment of that two minutes, if it's very genuine and it's really thoughtful, um, can have a huge impact on the relationship you have with your son or daughter. So we tend to measure things, eight hours in a work day. We measure everything in terms of time. We have clocks everywhere. And we think that somehow time invested is equivalent to value returned. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely not true. The most important thing we have as human beings and to give to the world is our energy. And the more skillfully we invest our energy in things we want, it won't be how long you live. It will be the energy you brought to the time you had aligned with what mattered to you that actually makes your life work.
0: That's true. That's true. Uh, Let's jump into the books, the details of the book. I mean, we talked about time and energy, not time being the most important metric in some ways uh, when it comes to living our lives. Let's talk about some of the most important ideas from the book other than this idea and maybe three ideas from the book that
1: key takeaways from the book. In my work, I came to understand that the greatest gift we have to give to the world is our intentional full and best energy right here, right now. Mm -hmm. and full engagement as we defined it is an acquired ability to summon what is the most precious resource you have your energy you give life to whatever you give your energy to and to summon it in this moment not in the future not in the past but in this moment you bring together this special gift of energy in the present and that is what makes things happen in life the opposite of that and this was a very difficult concept for most people in the They challenged it a lot, but now we know it's true because there's so much science around it. And that is that we are incapable as a species of multitasking. Mm -hmm. The whole central nervous system can't focus on more than one thing at a time. So uh, it'd be great if we could split the signal. 50-50, 80-20, 50-50, 80-20, 50, whatever. But the system is an all-or-none system. you either here, focused in the moment, or you're not. So if you have five balls in the air at any one time, four of them are on free fall. That's why you can't drive and talk on a cell phone, particularly if, if it calls for any new original response. You can always tell because the drivers are driving stupid. The journals <laughs> will tell you that that's how you describe someone who was attempting to do a variety of things at once, it dumbs you down. You simply mm-hmm. can't do it. And it gives you the sense that you're never where you are mm-hmm. and you're not. Kind of a sense of peacefulness, a sense of fulfillment comes from being able to be in the moment. There's a lot of research in the mindfulness space and a lot of others that have confirmed what we really felt was the most important gift that we have. You come home to your children you're with your direct reports if you're a, a new entrepreneur, understanding that there's all kinds of demands on your energy. First, you want to have as much energy is possible mm-hmm. and we'll talk about mm-hmm. how you get that and then you have to be very skilled at focusing that energy on the things that get you the return you want a million things can draw your energy and if you don't put a lot of energy you're going to get not much in return. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very skilled at determining what is the best investment that you can make with the energy that you have. One thing I notice quite often when I veer off the path and I find myself doing a lot of
0: different things during the span of an hour, it is a sense of emptiness. It's not fulfilling... The whole day feels like I got nothing done, even though I tried this and I tried that. And it's a whole blob of messiness. But if I start with a very specific intention, this is what I want to accomplish during this hour. This is what I must go after. And I shut down my phone. I shut down all distractions. Suddenly, I feel happy about what I'm doing. Maybe not in the moment. In the moment, I'm in the flow. But as
1: I do the things through the day, I feel so much more accomplishment. And I feel so fulfilled. And that's exactly what we've learned. The more engaged you are in life, the more productive you'll be, healthier and the happier you'll be. And the more scattered you are, the more you're all over the place, you don't get much return and you feel like you kind of missed your life. You don't really feel like you were there present. Yeah. One of the things that we began to realize that energy in the human system is the same energy that's in the universe. There's no difference. And that all energy systems have physical energy, emotional energy. I mean, they have quantity, quality, focus, and intensity. So does human energy. And so we started looking, well, where does human energy come from? It, well, it comes from the physical body in the union of oxygen and glucose in the mitochondria of the cells. And so we started looking at all those things that actually help us multiply the energy available to us because the more energy we have, the greater life we can have, the greater impact. So we know that sleeping six to seven hours of sleep at night is a big one. Eating often and eating light, stabilizing blood glucose fitness is a major contributor, movement throughout the day as opposed to staying in one place for endless hours, which really compromises our ability to produce energy because oxygen transport is limited, is compromised. And so we're looking at all those things that an entrepreneur can do to make sure that their energy is actually at the highest level possible because it will be their energy that actually makes or breaks the business. So it's the physical energy we're talking about right now. The supply of physical energy, which you have a lot of Control over if you do, and so we we talk about you being a corporate athlete. You have to train like an athlete mm-hmm. because that's what they're doing. They're trying to maximize their energy reserves. If you don't have a lot to withdraw from, if fatigue starts coming up quickly, you know you're in trouble. Fatigue is the enemy, and there's so many demands on an entrepreneur that um, they need endless energy, endless determination, and a fierce competitive spirit. And then we looked at the emotional side. The emotional side is really determined by the valence of energy that one has, whether it's survival-based or whether it's positive and opportunistically based. Human beings function much better when they're seeing the, the world through positive, optimistic, encouraging, inspirational eyes. And that's kind of a learned response. It's very easy to become cynical and sarcastic and jaded, to see risk everywhere, to be afraid. But we need to have good clarity. But at the same time, we need to be operating from essentially a positive mindset. And that was a very important part of kind of the formula we put together for high performers. The focus of energy comes mentally. And that really is fundamentally an awareness of where your energy is flowing at any moment of consciousness and that you try as best you can to align your energy with what really is important and to be present as much as possible. And, you know, we're creatures of habit. So the more we can create habits that help us to catch ourselves when we start veering off the path. So we do a lot of work mentally to, to help people create that space and then intensity or force comes from what we call the spiritual dimension and that comes from your values your sense of mission in life your sense of purpose and that perhaps is the most important dimension in human beings is why are you here what is this all about why are you working so hard what's really pushing you behind the scenes in terms of what are you chasing and for what reason and the more you understand your purpose and how that really uh, connects to everything else else, that's what creates the sense of intensity and passion. And it normally, when you realize what it's all about, it really isn't about you. It's what you can do for others. It's a big awakening for people. We spend a lot of time helping them to decipher that and to come to it on their own terms. But that physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual energy is the basis of full engagement. And you have to have all of those present, to be fully engaged. So
0: let's take an example. If you do not have enough spiritual energy, if you do not have the values or your purpose aligned or it's not pushing you, you can spend all the time you want. You can spend all the mental energy and focus you want, but you won't have the intensity. You won't have the drive to really accomplish what you're after. So if you're a starting entrepreneur, you have this vision of building a business and making a lot of money, but at the same time, it doesn't align with your purpose. It doesn't align with your values. You don't feel excited about what you're doing. You don't feel like you're making a difference in the world with what you're doing. You might feel you're stumbling. Is that a fair
1: interpretation of where we're going? Yeah, the number one predictor of success in human beings Mm -hmm. is drive, is how badly do you want it? Sometimes it's referred to in the scientific community as grit, Mm -hmm. grit is a scientific word that means persistence how badly do you want it Mm -hmm. if you have a purpose that really doesn't connect to you very well or if you really just kind of want to make money it really doesn't go deep into your soul Mm -hmm. you're going to end up Kind of wandering around because it's very hard for you to continue to manufacture artificial purpose. So we push people to go deep into their, to the fabric of their lives, to their values, to what really life means to them. And to come up with a sense of purpose that will drive them through storms, through failures, through all kinds of tough times. Because every entrepreneur suffers setbacks, rarely a straight line. So you have to endure a lot of hardship, a lot of suffering. And uh, if you don't have a purpose, a reason, the suffering becomes almost more than we can handle. Mm -hmm. If you have a reason, if you have some kind of context that you believe you're fighting for something worthwhile, Mm -hmm. you may have some pain, but, you know, suffering is is another animal because it's pain without a purpose. And so, you know, drive is a very important part of being successful in anything, in any kind of business, you have to be very driven.
0: So, so I could hear someone saying, well, how about money itself being a purpose itself? Is money not something that can drive me? It can can it not be a purpose in itself? What, what do we say to that? How do we explain that there's a rift here between just earning money versus living for your purpose? Money cannot." be a purpose
1: in itself? Well, this is a question that the research community has been looking at for a very long time. And uh, there is a connection between fulfillment and happiness and money up to a certain point, and that is the point where your basic needs are taken care of. It may be 70, 80, depends on where you live, 100,000. After that, money begins to lose its hold, its grip, it becomes a, an endless chase that never fulfills you. You always feel a little bit empty, and you suspect it's because I need more. Now I have a million, 10 million, a $100 million and it's never enough, you become addicted to the chase and the chase is not fulfilling. So money is kind of a false purpose. We need enough money because that gives us an opportunity to live and to have shelter and food and take care of our loved ones. But it is very unfulfilling in itself and is likely to become very addictive with the consequence being an emptiness at the end of our life that all we did was chase money for its own sake and it never really delivered in the way we hoped.
0: That's something that comes up in discussions way often. And with early stage entrepreneurs now let 's move on let 's talk about i think one of the biggest ideas in the book is training like a sprinter rather than trained like a marathon runner and you know the rituals and the Pushing your comfort zone and the boundaries and all these things. So let's talk about that. How we can develop these energies, how we can grow these energies, how we can strengthen these energies.
1: Well you know, every biopotential in the human physiology is oscillatory. Nothing is a straight line. The only thing that's a straight line is death. And if all you do is work, if all you do is push, you're gonna end up in serious trouble. In sport it's called periodization. You work hard, then you take time off and you recover, and healing occurs by going into the gym and working your bicep or tricep and then allowing 24 hours for it to heal, and then the adaptations actually expand the capacity of that bicep to exert and resist force. And so it is with every potential we have as human beings that we need to understand that oscillation is how we were built. Mm -hmm. we were not built to work endless hours mentally physically emotionally or spiritually we need to work very much like a sprinter that a sprinter gives a hundred percent then takes a break recalculates re kind of renews the resources and then off again on another sprint and the times you want to be sprinting are when you're in important meetings when you're with family when you are trying to do things because people can tell when you're fully engaged when you're really sprinting but you can't sprint all the time so you have to find times when it's It's not important to turn that big engine off. Mm -hmm. And if you can turn it off, you can turn it off by going in and exercising. It turns off the emotions. It turns off the mental. You don't think about that. It actually could be a spiritual practice because you're trying to have more energy if you're a family at home. And because you haven't been moving, this is actually a, a great practice to get more oxygen into the system and to actually get moving so it's a renewal activity it's a form of oscillation and it cuts across all the dimensions all four dimensions so most people don't understand they think that the key to everything is just work 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 Mm -hmm. and the answer is you know you need to do a lot of work and you need to be sprinting but the system does not do well What happens is you get into this kind of low energy state and you just keep grinding it out. There's no creativity, no genius, no love for what you're doing. And pretty soon you're actually covering the same ground. You can't remember the same stuff. There's no joy in it. Joy comes when the body is actually properly recovered. And now you're ready. You know, you sometimes get your most profound insights in the shower when you're on a run, when you're on an exercise routine of some kind. And so we developed a notion of rituals because this is how athletes develop the ability to manage these extraordinary demands that they have in their life, which are not even as great as often the demands on business people, on Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. that you need to have rituals around eating, rituals around exercising, rituals around taking breaks, rituals around getting up and moving every hour to hour and a half, no more than two hours. You need to have rituals that connect you to family phone calls making sure your home at for dinner at a certain time whether they be rituals around a gratefulness exercise at the dinner table or bedtime stories with your kids if you don't put these things in place to make sure that those are being done and done every day mm-hmm. and then you bring your full engagement to that space your life gets completely out of whack and all you do is work 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 you start losing energy you start losing hope you make mistakes and pretty soon you're in serious trouble from a health perspective mentally you're not nearly as focused emotionally you're a very fragile and spiritually you have no idea why you're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to I want to
0: understand because a lot of times I find myself working so hard but At some point, I start to find my mental energies diminish and uh, I lose focus and I cannot perform at my very best. Uh, What what are some ways to replenish that mental focus, that mental energy
1: that I have lost after working for three, four hours at a time? What could be some examples of those? Well, first of all, an awareness. You know, you have to have some kind of an awareness, whether it's a timer, whether it's a little something that notifies you that you've been going for a certain period of time without a break. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're in an office building and they have a stairway. You go up the stairs at a pretty good pace and then you go very slowly down. And you go back up and you come down. So maybe you do that for 5 to 10 minutes and you oscillate up and down and the whole physiology gets refreshed. And during that time, you may hydrate. Take some water, make sure the system is fully hydrated because that compromises energy production very very quickly mm-hmm. to make sure that you have something to stabilize blood glucose so something in the form of an energy bar a piece of fruit something that actually will help you to get energy their brain cells neurons are gluttons for glucose and as soon as your glucose level starts to get low you get low blood sugar your brain does not function as well you and you're not even as sure why you're not thinking clearly but you're you have to read that email three or four times you can't quite really understand it. And you wrote the email. <laughs> so it's like your brain goes into a fog. And this particularly happens during what is called a window, this window of circadian vulnerability between 2 and 4 in the afternoon. The species was really designed to, to take a, a pretty concentrated rest. In some cultures, they've decided not to fight it. It's called a siesta. Mm-hmm. and uh, But the system, everyone finds themselves pretty much in a funk a little bit. Where you, But you can blow through that by exercising by making sure you're moving around a lot, by having your meetings, walking meetings. You can have stand-up desks. You can have treadmill desks. You can have schedule all your phone calls for that time. There are ways to work around it so that you recognize that the system was designed a certain way, and if you constantly violate it, it's going to come back to bite you. You're going to end up paying quite a penalty unintentionally for not really recognizing the abuse that you're giving your body and that the demands that are being placed on it are not normal. It's not normal to go all day long sitting behind a computer terminal and never moving. Our ancestors for thousands of years moved between 10 and 15 miles every single day, and that's how they survived. then all of a sudden, we're stuck. up. You know, most of the body are muscles, and the muscles need to be moving. Even our Immune competency is related to movement. So all the hormonal systems, everything is related to the oscillatory patterns in movement. And when you cease to move, it places huge challenges for the system to try to go out and to find those, you know, those cancer cells that are migrating around that could be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And um, just getting the oxygen to the cells and particularly to the neurons is very hard when you're sitting on your biggest muscle you're good you're maximus so it's a challenge this is great because
0: what you're saying is we need to actually switch the channels from spending mental energy to now go and use a physical energy uh, rather than mental energy right and not only that what a lot of us will do a lot of a lot of times i'll find myself doing i'll go online check something, maybe a funny website or a news story or something like that. Before I know it, I've spent 20, 30 minutes and there's a mishmash in my head. I feel like I am taking a break, but is
1: that really a break? What happened here? Well, the way we look at if you are, let's say, in a a lot of stress emotionally, let's say you've got a lot of pressure, maybe a lot of negative stuff going on. The way you get recovery is you've got to do something that makes you very positive. The changes from negative to positivity. So it could be humor, could be being around people who lifts your spirits, gets you a very, very different way of viewing the world, changes your mindset. Mentally, the way you get recovery is you turn off those neurons that have been active. Mm -hmm. So anything that changes what you were thinking, what you were doing, can be a form of relief. So you could do a crossword puzzle that might give you relief from all the stuff you've been doing, and uh, working numbers on something else. Hmm. The more you actually use a different part of your brain, the more you can use the creative side of your brain, it actually gives this analytic part of your brain a rest. And the more you realize that the brain just works so much better when it's not in the on position all the time, It works best when it's in the full on and then fully off, and it works based on the capacity it has. But if you want to expand capacity, you're going to have to learn how to sprint, push beyond your comfort zone, and then recover. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you'll expand capacity. But that's how sprinters, that's the only way you get faster is you have to go further and further outside your comfort zone, then recover, and eventually... You can spread at levels that before you couldn't even think about and still maintain it. Let's
0: talk about one more element of renewal, which is the spiritual energy, or let's say both of them, spiritual and emotional energy. What's the best way to renew that energy? Because sometimes we feel like we're burnt out, that we're working so hard on some mission or some goal or some purpose that we just don't have enough left in our tanks and maybe we're emotionally spent or spiritually spent in some ways how can we replenish that
1: so spiritual energy is renewed by reconnecting to those values those people those that sense of purpose that really drives you so it could be if you're a religious person it could be a sense of prayer it could be going back to just the reason why you're here on planet Earth. What's the thing that drives you? And you actually contemplate that. Maybe it's calling a loved one, spending a few minutes with him and reconnecting to them. And that just gives you a whole new sense of perspective and renewal. You talk to your children and what was kind of exhausting and kind of depleting now. You realize why you're working so hard, what it is that actually, you know, makes your life worth living. And so you reconnect to those things. You know, you might have passages from poetry or books that have really helped you, you go back and read those. I have one here on my computer, made weak by time and fate, but strong in will to strive to seek to find and not to yield. That's from Ulysses uh, by Alfred Tennyson. Mm -hmm. And you know, I have these little things that I read that kind of renew the sense of life can be tough, but I'm going to continue to push against whatever declining capacities I have. And I'm going to be in the fast lane for as long as I possibly can. And just by reconnecting to that, I feel... I've reignited that part of me, that spiritual part of me that I need to keep alive and fully, fully present in my life. Got it.
0: I think we can wrap up this book again for all of you listening. This is The Power of
1: Full Engagement.
0: Great book about how to manage our energy and not time. And as we talked with Jim here, it's absolutely loaded with wisdom. So thank you, Jim. Thank you very much, Manny.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: Well, last month was really exciting because I got to talk to a lot of you one-on-one. I got to understand your challenges and your frustrations and your entrepreneurial journey. And a lot of you got back to me after the call saying that you applied the advice you got from me and it helped you out tremendously. And that to me is one of the most rewarding things for me, knowing that I was able to help you move forward. So... Even though my initial plan was to just do this for one month, given the fun I had and given your overwhelming response and request, I have opened up my Thursdays for this month as well. So I'll do this again. I will talk to you, listen to you, answer any and all business questions you may have and take in any suggestions you have for us, for the podcast, for the YouTube channel, for our products. So if you would like to talk to me, just schedule a free 30-minute chat with me at 2000books.com. Discuss or text the word discus to 44222 and we will get talking you and i now i'm really excited about this because it will really give me the opportunity to get to know you understand you and serve you better by the way i want to be doubly clear that this is not a sales call i will not pitch anything to you and i hope you won't sell anything to me either okay so let's just talk like friends deal All right. So I'm only doing this for Thursdays and there are only four Thursdays this month. So get a time slot before they're all gone. Just head on over to 2000books.com slash discus or text the word discus to 44222 and schedule a time that is convenient for you. And I'm really looking forward to talking with you. So let's do this. So a lot of you have asked me how I consume seven books a week. Well, I do read a lot. But I also listen to audiobooks when I'm driving, when I'm working out, when I'm running errands, when I'm out running. It's such a great use of my time. And not only that, I listen to the books at three times the normal speed. Yeah, it's 3x. So I consume a six hour long book in two hours flat. I just love Audible for that. And I've been using it for years now. And right now you can give Audible a try by signing up for a free trial membership and get any audiobook in their library for free. And if you don't like it, just cancel the trial membership and you won't be charged anything. However, you still get to keep the audiobook forever for free. So to avail this offer, just head on over to 2000books.com free. That's 2000books.com F-R-E-E free. Well, until next time, my ambitious friends, go out and live a courageous life.